Back at it again, episode number five in the Tigers Avenue, LSU men's basketball. Boot up, baby. Dominant win again. I feel like we keep saying it every single time, but it's true. Dominant win over Belmont, 83 to 53. Yet another opponent who falls short of 60 points against these Tigers. This defense, this Tiger team, it just feels different. It feels special. And it feels like we're about to watch this Tiger team make a run for the SEC and potentially make a run in the NCAA tournament. I'm excited about this team, and I cannot wait to see what this team does in conference play. Zach, give me your thoughts on tonight's game. I was also really excited. I kind of found myself rooting to keep them under 60 because we dominated this game. After they had the 7-0 run at the beginning of the game, it was all LSU, and it, and it and we never turned back. And we got to a point in the game where five minutes left, we're putting in all the subs. I was getting a little worried that they might, be able to hit that 60 point mark with the, all the subs in there for five minutes but they didn't and so I was super excited for that it's funny when your team is so good that you are cheering for stats historical stats and speaking of that historical stat this is the longest stretch of holding opponents under 60 points since the 46 40 seven basketball team and we want to credit wow. that stat to todd Politz. if you don't know who todd Politz is go and follow him on twitter he has all of the crazy awesome lsu stats that you would never ever think of i mean who would ever have known that um this team has the longest streak of holding opponents under 60 points compared to the 46 47 team that 46-47 LSU basketball team held its first 21 opponents to under 60 points. So, I would love to see it happen again with our LSU Tigers. <laughs> but aside from just that stat alone, different players were scoring. We saw Xavier Pinson pop off in the first half. We saw Brandon Murray get going. We saw Tari Eason go off. We saw Efton Reed have his moments. And I know we've talked about Darius Days continually, and rightfully so, because he has been outstanding. Darius Days only had nine points this game. And credit to the young guys and the transfers for coming in and stepping up when the leader doesn't put up the points that he's been putting up. And we did not miss a beat. That was a huge, huge statement win and shows the nation and college basketball that this team doesn't have to rely on one or two players. 
they can score all over the court. And so that's really exciting. I am ready for this team to be ranked because they deserve to be ranked. Absolutely, I agree. And we'll get to that. I want to have that discussion here in a little bit. But a little bit like you said, man, Darius Days had an off night, right? And the versatility continues to show through this team. You know, Darius Day showed his versatility, like we talked about in the last few games, that he doesn't have to hit the deep shot. He can win from within side. In this game, you take Darius Days out of the game, and the rest of the team plays well. Efton Reed, 12 points, 9 rebounds. Brandon Murray, 15 points, 3 100% from behind the arc. Terry Eason, who I believe at this point is easily SEC Newcomer of the Year, no questions asked. Uh, I mean, dude has three double-doubles on the year, and tonight puts up 17-7, right? Or 15-7. Yeah, give me a fact check on that. He had 15. He had 15. Terry Eason, 15-7. I mean, the team is just playing exceptionally well. Uh, This team just feels different. And, And I feel like we've talked about this a little bit, but the team just seems to have more weapons more depth, more defense, more everything than the teams of the past. And you know what? The teams of the past have been, you know, fun to watch because LSU basketball for so long was so irrelevant. And we're like, man, this is fun to watch. But this team, it seems to be even better than those teams because of the depth, because of the defense, because of the versatility. And I think it's going to play into some major success for this team this year. It's going to be exciting to watch this team get into conference play. And I want to talk about maybe right here before conference play a little bit. What do you think the possibilities are of being undefeated before conference play? Because I've been looking at the schedule, and I don't think anyone really poses a threat to LSU or is even favored to beat LSU before we go uh, and play Auburn to open conference play. Uh, LSU does have the Emerald Classic uh, tournament this weekend. You're going to play Penn State, and you're either going to play Oregon State or Wake Forest, depending on whether you win or lose, and depending on whenever Oregon State or Wake Forest win or lose. Um, But, I mean, man, I really see this team potentially being undefeated coming into uh, conference play. Uh, right now we're five and zero, oh, and if you look at the schedule, we got Penn State coming up, and then after that tournament, you have Ohio, Georgia Tech, Northwestern State, Louisiana Tech, Lipscomb, and then you start Auburn. I I don't see a team where we lose. I really don't. And Will Wade kind of talked about this tonight after this game. Is I think the, the the biggest you know threat that we may have is in this tournament uh, with Penn State, Oregon State, Wake Forest, and then on December the 11th against Georgia Tech. Those are your biggest threats. But LSU is favored pretty largely in all of those games, and and I just you got to like your chances to go into conference play undefeated and Zach how do you feel about maybe us being undefeated before conference play what do you do you think the chances are pretty good for that 
Yeah, I would say the chances are pretty high. This tournament is definitely going to be a test for this team. And it's a young team. We have to remember that as well. So there is going to be times where that youth shows. But the talent is definitely there uh, to run the table before conference play. And I got to believe it's very possible. I think, as you said, the biggest test is going to be Georgia Tech. That game is going to be on the road. It's going to be a national televised game. So I think that's definitely probably the game you circle, you highlight, whatever, and you have to kind of get past. But I I think you also don't want to forget about Ohio. Ohio's looked pretty good this year. They're sitting at 4-1 and in the season. And then, of course, the tournament. But if I were to be betting on this, I would say that they'd probably go undefeated. Man, what an incredible thing. It would be to walk into conference play undefeated. That would be so awesome. Just to talk to a little bit about this defense, Belmont is a high-scoring offense. Let me give you their scores for their first four games. 80, 81, 95, and 97. And LSU held that same team to 53 points. And you got to take into credit that the last five minutes of this game was nothing but LSU subs in the game. And Will Wade in his post-game conference was quite actually irritated at some of the play from the subs and said they shouldn't even got to 50. So it just shows you his mentality this year, his focus this year on how much he wants this defense to be dominant. The fact that he was upset with his secondary sub players not playing as well and thinking, man, we could have held them under 50 if they would have just played how they should have played. And, man, what a dominant performance by the Tigers tonight. Another game that just impresses you and helps the resume exponentially. Yeah, this really – it was a 30-point win, but really it was a 40-point win. So to wrap up the basketball section here, when in the world is the NCAA going to rank this team? Why is this team not ranked? When is it going to happen? Zach, give your thoughts on, on, on this ranking and when LSU will finally be ranked. Man, I haven't really worried about it too much until after Liberty. I'm frustrated at it by this point. And you can go on social media. Twitter is blowing up about it. Baton Rouge people, LSU fans, we're more biased, obviously. But when you watch this team, they look like a team that is a top 25 ball club. I don't know if you can roll out. 25 teams total that are better than this LSU team. I I just don't think that's the case. This team is deep. This team is extremely defensive. And they can put up a ton of points just like the teams in the past. But now you've got that defensive side of the ball 
to add to it. And you see where LSU has been in the past with their high-scoring teams without the defensive effort. You add that into this year, and it's just like, it's confusing. I know there is a lot of controversy, a lot of conspiracy that the NCAA has this vendetta against Will Wade. And I think probably a lot of that is true. I'm not sure I want to buy into all of that. But you got to believe that this team is going to be ranked before they hit conference play. And if they aren't, then I'm going to be screaming at the top of my lungs right with those conspiracy theorists. If we win this game the way we do and then go and win this tournament uh, this weekend and we're not ranked, yeah, uh, something's something's a little fishy uh, going on with the with the polls. I don't think it'll be long before this team is ranked, especially if they close out uh, this week, uh, making this team seven and zero on the year. Then I I would bet your bucks that LSU would be ranked by the end of this season. Zach, you got something. I think something that's really important, though, we've been talking about is this team going to be able to get into conference play without, you know, a scratch on their record. This weekend is going to be the first game for this team that they play on the road. They have played, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure every game we've played in the last five wins, they have all been at home. So that'll also be interesting. Yes, they were all at home. Um, so we're going to see how they play outside of the PMAC this weekend. Not 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 necessarily an away game, but a neutral site in Destin, Florida. But we're going to see how the Tigers respond to uh, having to leave Baton Rouge. And, boy, if they finish this weekend out strong, uh, I, I got to believe they're top 25 come next week. All right, let's move to the football field here and recap just a little bit on the ULM game. Uh, Well, Zach, you and me were both right when it came to our predictions for this game. LSU, a 29-point favorite. They, in fact, did not cover. um, Really wasn't even that close to covering with a 27-14 sloppy, slow, lethargic-feeling win over the ULM Warhawks. Zach, give me maybe some highlights of the game. What can you take away from it? What are some positives? What are some negatives? What can you take away going into the final game of the season against the Aggies? I'll let you hit on Neighbors later because we know Malik Neighbors had a huge game. He showed you something that we haven't seen before um, in these past previous games. But he really had a, some pop. I think a big positive was also Max Johnson. He had a pretty good game. He threw for over 300 yards. He had two touchdowns. He had the one to Malik Neighbors. He had the really athletic play on the touchdown to Brian Thomas. Of course, that's another guy that you got to take a positive away from this season. I got to give credit to Max for having a pretty good game. Now, understandably, it, it is UL Monroe. But Max made some plays. He looked 
he looked a little better than he has in the past few games. And that's honorable for him to do, especially coming off of last week and, and getting benched in the first quarter. The other positive is you continue to see the defense shine. The defense looked great. I know they scored 14, but really seven of those points comes from the stupid decision to go for that fourth down mm. conversion on the punt. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The Bama fourth down conversion on the punt, that play was well designed. This play, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. You've got your punter throwing the ball 20 yards to a wide receiver that's hardly played all season and he slips and falls and they get an interception and it's it's easy for them to score from there so i hate the call but all that to say the defense continued to play really well also got to mention this week we learned that damone clark is a finalist for the budkus award he continued to play really well the dbs played fantastic so all credit to the defense. This defense is going to keep us in the game next week. But the offense continues to struggle. It was very, very frustrating still. I believe they had four possessions in the red zone, maybe five, and they came away with 10 points. Yeah, 100%. Kind of the same story, different week, right? Uh, it's pretty much what you can say about this game. Offensive struggles, defense plays well enough to easily give the offense an opportunity to win this game. Um, yeah, the the fourth down punt was just like you said, an inexcusable call. Why why do you not save that play? You know, maybe for the A and M game, right? You know, you're you're playing ULM, and at the point in the game, you had a seventeen to nothing lead. Why in the world are you going for a fake punt against them? It's just – it's coaching decisions, and it's the problem that LSU has had this entire season is coaching. Uh, I lay none of this at the feet of the players. This is on coaching. Speaking about the defense a little bit and the play of the DBs, man, oh, man, did it take a hit today. It, it's a good thing that the DBs have been playing well because it looks like you're not going to have Elias Ricks back next year. He has entered his name into the transfer portal. It <laughs> seems as if um, with the coaching change that uh, Elias wants uh, a change of scenery. So with the White McLaughlin playing well, I'm not really sure who exactly would be the other side. You know, if you get Cordell Flott back and – uh, Dwight McLaughlin on both sides, play Sage Ryan at the nickel. I, I'm not sure, but the news has broke that Elias Ricks will be transferring. Uh, I, I do agree with you. I think that Damone Clark deserves the uh, Butkus Award. Really hoping that he can get that and you know end his career at LSU with a really high note uh, and go make him some big bucks in the NFL as we probably know he will. Well, we're going to stick here with football to a different route here with the coaching search again. It's It seems to be narrowing down. It's coming down to the end here. 
you're hearing a few names that you know are probably going to be your final few candidates for the job. Let's talk a little bit here. We we hit a lot on on Lincoln Riley because he seemed like to be the hot name at the moment, and I, I think he still is a hot name. Zach, give me your thoughts. You know, presently on Lincoln Riley, where do we stand when it comes to potentially landing him? It seems like he's the guy right now, just from the rumors and all the things that have been put out. Something that's very interesting, as we know, Sunday morning the news broke that Dan Mullen was out as Florida's head coach. And almost automatically, Billy Napier's name came up. And it seems very evident that Billy Napier is the man, their top target at Florida. And so now it seems like it's between LSU and Florida, and Napier has this decision if he is offered the LSU job. We can very much assume he is going to be offered the Florida job. It's it's become very clear that they have circled him as their number one target for the new head football coach to replace Dan Mullen. And so his name's going to be interesting to follow for the next few days. And then the last one you probably hear about is Bill O'Brien. And there hasn't really been a lot of positivity towards his name. And I'm with that crowd. He's very well accomplished, but for some reason – I just don't like the possibility of Bill O'Brien being the head football coach. We've also seen Matt Campbell's name pop up. I don't really like that idea either. It seems like it's been kind of a last-ditch effort, last kind of name thrown into the to the ring, but we really haven't seen or heard anything about him for until this past week. And then also, apparently, Mark Stoops has been thrown into the mix. But I got to fully believe that this thing has already been wrapped up. I got to believe that Scott Woodward has already made his hire. I mean, today's Monday. We're recording this Monday night. And a week from today, it's very likely that we are going to know who the next head football coach is going to be at LSU. And so I got to believe that the man for this job has already been decided. Scott Wooler has already made that offer and they have signed that contract. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, I trust in Scott. And so that's why I believe that. We'll see how things unfold these next few days. Yeah, I mean, with Lincoln Riley – I think it really depends on the game Saturday. I just don't know if there's a done deal yet. And if there's not a done deal yet, I think it comes down to Saturday's game with Lincoln Riley. If the deal is not done with anybody yet, it's got then you got to think it comes down to that game. If if Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma, then you then I think 100%, you know, LSU makes that offer. And I think that 
it would be about twelve million a year, and I'm pretty sure Lincoln Riley would accept. Now, if Oklahoma wins, that puts them in position to be in the Big Twelve Championship. If Oklahoma goes and wins the Big Twelve Championship, and they're a one-loss Big Twelve Championship team, you got to think they have a pretty dang good shot at being in the college football playoffs. And at that point in time, like as a coach, you're not going to leave that team. Like you're going to stay there. You you're literally, you know, putting position to uh, fight for a national championship. So you're you're not going to leave the program at that position. So I think Saturday is going to tell a lot about that. When it comes to Billy Napier, I think you're absolutely right. I think Florida is going to be all over that. And if it isn't Riley, I, I think you got to get Napier. And you got to get him before Florida gets him, right? Now, I, I feel like LSU has an advantage, number one, because he's already in Louisiana. Number two, Billy Napier has been obviously pushing for the job. He's been on several um, Louisiana radio shows and has been point blank asked about the job and has never made a denial by any means. He's had a group five team. So I think LSU has that advantage in the fact that he's already in Louisiana. Number two, I think LSU is a lot further along in this process than Florida is. I mean, we made the announcement after the Florida game that Coach O wouldn't be the coach. So LSU's been doing this for over a month, several weeks uh, through this process now. And Florida is just, you know, two days removed, a day removed from relieving Dan Mullen of his duties at Florida. So I think that also bodes well in LSU's favor. The third reason is, is I don't think Florida has the money to offer LSU is going to offer a guy if they want him to be the man. If if Lincoln Riley is out and LSU gets in a bidding war with Florida, LSU is going to win that job, uh, that 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 bidding war. And, and I mean, LSU oh, yeah. was floating a hundred million for eight years. That's twelve and a half million a year. Uh, I don't think Florida stands a chance in a bidding war against LSU right now. I don't think Mark Stoops is really being considered for it uh, at all. I don't think that's not the type of guy Woodward would go after. Uh, Bill O'Brien is kind of interesting. You know, people don't like him because of what has happened at the Houston Texans. It was a bad look. But you got to give him credit for what he did at Penn State. He came in, he is the coach who came into Penn State after everything had blown up with Jerry Sandusky and all of that mess. And the Penn State players were welcomed to completely transfer out. They had full eligibility, immediate eligibility, wherever they decided to go. So he comes into that situation, and the whole darn team leaves, and he still puts together a winning team two years in a row, which eventually then lands him the job for the Houston Texans. While he was at Penn State, he won National Coach of the Year. And and then while he's at the Houston Texans, he, he did win his division four times. So, you know, blind resume, when you're looking at uh, what he's accomplished as a coach, without all the negativity, you know, his resume's not bad. He, he's He's been with Bill Belichick. He's been with Tom Brady. 
he he did what he did at Penn State after that, and now he's been with Nick Saban. I, I'm not saying I like the hire, but you, you can't just discredit everything because of the negativity that has built around him because of the Houston Texans. And I think the resume sounds better than what people want to give credit for. Now, I personally, I don't want Bill O'Brien. I think if we hire Bill O'Brien, it's a swing and a miss. But you never know. You could be surprised, and he, he could end up being the coach and be extremely successful. But for me, it's Riley, and if it ain't Riley, it's Napier. And I, I think it's pretty much just between the two of them. Um, give your thoughts uh, on uh, Dave Aranda and, and maybe anything else that you may want to throw in there. Let's say it's a lose-lose situation for LSU. Napier takes the job at Florida. Raleigh advances in to the college football playoff and the Big 12 championship, whatever, and so obviously he stays with the team. Who's next? Who's next? Is it Bill O'Brien? Is it Dave Aranda? Is it Mark Stoops? Is it Matt Campbell? If, if they don't get Raleigh, if they don't get Napier, is Aranda and Kiffin your next two, potentially? I mean, uh, for me, I, I think it's got to be. I mean, if you if you lose-lose on Riley Napier, I, I know that LSU wants us to make this a clean hire, right? But at the same time, I think LSU deserves a proven head coach. I'm not saying I would be upset with the Dave Aranda hire because I think Dave Aranda would do would do excellent. I mean, Baylor is a really hard place to win at, and he just beat Oklahoma not too long ago, and they're playing really good football. So I think he would do great at LSU, but I think LSU deserves, after Ed Ordron, a proven coach. And I think if you get past Riley and Napier, you kind of have to have some leniency when it comes to this clean hire, uh, you know, effort, I, I think if it gets past them two, you got to go try to get Kiffin or maybe even Hugh Freeze because uh, you got to get a proven head coach, right? And, and you can't just sell yourself short because you want to hang your hat on uh, on making just a pristine, clean hire then I feel like you're almost maybe hurting yourself as a program instead of helping yourself as a program, you know, in in the efforts to help the program to be clean, right? You may hurt the program by, by under hiring, by underachieving. So if you get past those two, I think you got to open the doors a little bit, be a little bit lenient and try to go get somebody like Kiffin, somebody like Hugh Freeze, and, yes, I think the number one pick after those two would be Dave Randa because, because he's the clean hire. But he's still – it's his first head coaching job. He is having some success, but it hasn't been a long tenure. And I think LSU deserves a proven head coach, and you got to go get Kiffin and Hugh Freeze if whiffs on, on the first two. To be clear, though, I, I don't think this gets past Riley or Napier. I, I really don't. I agree. If it does, if it does, that's when you start worrying, honestly. Because, as you said, that's when you're going to have to be lenient 
And if it got to that situation, we would see if Scott Woodward is lenient or if he's not. But I wholeheartedly believe that this is not going to get past Napier or Riley. And if that's the case, I'm all for it. I'm looking forward to either one of those guys being the head coach. Yeah, and I got to agree with you because I think Riley – you know, you have definitely a potential of missing there and, and maybe not hiring him because of the potential uh, playoff spot. But with Napier, I think Napier prefers to go to LSU over Florida. I think he would want to go to LSU over Florida, and I think LSU would pay him more than Florida. So I, I think LSU uh, easily has an advantage there. If you get past Riley – you make the offer to Napier, and I think Napier accepts it. What do you think the potential is that all of this is a smokescreen and Woodward's had his guy for weeks now? You know, you want to say you'd be surprised, right? But you wouldn't be surprised. You know what I mean? Like, Scott Woodward is, is known for just being completely zipped at the lip. And I think that's what makes him so successful in his hires, you know? He, he doesn't run his mouth. He keeps it tight-lipped. He runs a, a smooth ship, you know, tight ship. And, you know, if he's had his guy for weeks and the deal is done – I really wouldn't be too surprised just because of how tactful uh, that Scott Woodward is. So you'd be surprised, but maybe not so surprised with how uh, Scott Woodward operates. For some reason in the back of my mind, and maybe this is just me dreaming, but for some reason in the back of my mind, I I guess I have this dream that he hired Dabo way back. Oh, man. And because we heard Dabo just for maybe a week, maybe a couple of days or so, and then it was done, and then it, it ended. And it, and it didn't end like, you know, Jimbo Fisher. It didn't end like Mike Tomlin. It didn't end like those other guys that had to come out and make statements and cut it off themselves. Yep, yep. It just ended. It just stopped. And we stopped hearing that name. So, I don't don't know, maybe, maybe. I'd love it to be the case, but we'll know in maybe a week or two. Man, oh man. If if Scott Woodward walks to the podium a day after Saturday and says Davo Sweeney is the next coach, oh my goodness gracious. Welcome to the real Death Valley. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I would... I would go ballistic. Um, I mean, I would be so pumped. And, hey, so you know, you're kind of right. You're, you're kind of right. You know, you get the harsh response from Jimbo. You get the harsh response from uh, Tomlin. And then, you know, you get the little whispers of Dabo, and then you don't hear anything else. So you, you may be on to something there, and that would be incredible. All right, let's put a button on it here. Man, I love talking about the coaching search. It's exciting. We're nearing the end. It's almost here to the epic reveal of who LSU's next head 
football coach. Maybe two be. episodes from now. Not our next episode, but potentially the next one. Two episodes maybe from now we will be discussing the new hire. I'm pumped for it.